You know, there's a million fine-looking women in the world, dude. They don't all bring you lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. The one and only Kevin Smith. Good morning, Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. How are you? Sorry, I was in the bathroom. <laughs> Not a worry, sir. Not a worry. Man, I want to thank the good folks that skipped the dishes for taking movie and spreading it like a virus across. Well, we shouldn't say that in these times. <laughs> spreading it across uh, the provinces, starting, of course, right out here in Ontario, man. Uh, we've been uh, doing the pickup thing in Etobicoke, which I believe they've uh, extended for a week. Now we're in uh, delivering, thanks to Skip the Dishes, they're delivering in Etobicoke, New Market, uh, downtown Toronto, and of course the Hammer, they're going to Hamilton. So thanks to these good folks, we're able to bring movies up and hopefully it'll just keep spreading uh, west and east so that we can cover uh, the entire Great White. <laughs> fantastic, sir, fantastic. Um, so basically this is about letting everybody talk to you today and do a Q&A, so, but before we get into that, um, I wanna give everybody a, fan, uh, a chance to talk about it, but could you tell us where movies came from and how the heck this became a real thing to start it off? Absolutely. Uh, back in 1999, we had a movie called Dogma. That was the first flick where we had introduced a fake fast food joint. Rather than writing in a McDonald's or a Burger King, we just created our own fast food joint called Movies. Uh, movie based on movie, The Golden Calf. Character uh, in our movies uh, had a vast media empire along the lines of Disney or back then Barney or something like that. Part of that was a fast food joint. So we used it as a location in Dogma. Chris Rock, Linda Fiorentino, me and Jay were sitting outside of a movie. That was our very first movie. Then in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, we brought it back. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob see movies and go there to eat. Stuff. That's where they do the internet. Um, then we did uh, movies... Uh, farther we took it to, to a whole movie uh with clerks 2 so clerks 2 instead of being set at the convenience store was set at a movies and then just recently it popped up again in jay and silent bob reboot as the boys are crossing country we stopped so it's been this fictional fast food point in our movies for going back 20 years at this point and mercifully uh derek berry who's our partner uh, at the beginning of the quarantine out here in West Hollywood was like, hey, do you guys, I do pop-up restaurants. Do you guys want to do a movies? Like, we can totally do movies in real life. So I was down like a clown, man. I always thought it was low-hanging fruit. Like, sooner or later, somebody's going to figure it out and and do this. Um, I I never thought I would do it because, like, restaurant business, I worked in as a busboy when I was, like, 14. I never wanted to go back to it. So suddenly, this brought me in. I was a backdoor restaurateur, which sounds way more erotic than I intended. So, like, let's try it in WeHo. We'll do it for a month. Um, it was close to me and Jay, so we could just drive down and stuff like that, take pictures and stuff. And so, um, at the end of the day, uh, we it, it went very well. The whole thing went very well in Hollywood. So, there was a restaurant in New Jersey, a pizza place called Gianni's, that reached out to Red Bank, where our tour is and said, can we do it here? And it had never occurred to us to do it elsewhere. You know, suddenly we we're like, all right, let's take it back to Red Bank. Where Jane, Silent Bob were born and stuff. That killed, man. The one in, in uh, Los Angeles, let's go a month. It wound up going two months. New Jersey, we did a week and that set the model for what we do going forward. So me and Jay show up in a city, the movie's open. Sometimes we do a show 
if it's possible to do a drive-in show or something. But we're there to cut the ribbon and take pictures on the first day. So we had no idea that this was going to become a thing. And then suddenly it, it did. Jersey happened. After Jersey, Chicago happened. We did it in Chicago at St. Louis Assembly. Then uh, up at Kitchen Hub in Etobicoke in uh, Canada. And now, uh, you know, uh, we just announced uh, we're doing our first app in Minneapolis and Minnesota. So awesome. I go to the ones down here. I couldn't go to the ones up north because, as we know, wisely, your PM is like, keep your filthy asses down in America. <laughs> so once we get and we're allowed to go back up, I see a few more movies pop-ups happening, particularly like Vancouver. It's a no-brainer, man. Vancouver is where I went to film school, my favorite cities in the world, So and right above us. So I imagine, you know, uh, when when the borders are opened up, vaccines are in full effect, um, we'll be heading up to Vancouver to do a show at the Rio and then uh, go to a movie when it opens there. Only way that all happens is if Skip the Dishes comes in as a partner, which they did. Thank them. Yeah, that was I've, I've been briefed on all this stuff all week long, and it's it's super awesome that this is a thing now. Um, I just want to let everybody know who's uh, who's chiming in here. Uh, ask questions in the question box, not the comment section. It's a little easier for me to see it that way. And we've got our first one coming in here. Okay. So um, let's see here. Uh, we've got, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, but uh, A. Jinnerwashi wants to know, would you change anything from your past movies? Um, you know, every once in a while, you're like, especially in the moment when a movie comes out, maybe it doesn't connect with an audience. You're like, oh, I could have done this. I could have done this. Why didn't I do this? I wish we did this. Or sometimes, in rare cases, I wish we'd never done this. Um, what I've found over the course of 26 years is that you got to hold on to it. If you loved it before you made it, stand by it, even if it's received poorly, because you never know how it's going to be received down the road. Our second movie, Mallrats, came out and absolutely tanked. Critics hated it. And I was like, well, that's it. My career's over. That's the movie most cats seem to want to come up to me to talk about today. That's the, the one that uh, it seems is most beloved of everything I've done. And that was a flick that was, like, declared dead on arrival and, like, you sophomore slump and he sucks and all that stuff. So... Knowing what I know now after doing this 26 years, and I've seen it happen again and again, Jersey Girl came out and tanked, and everyone was like, you're, you're Now, years later, people are like, I like that movie. George Carlin's really good. Things have a way of aging. They may not win the moment, which is, you know, that's the sexy, winning the moment. But if you can win in the long run, that counts as well. Um, so, like, if you had asked me in 1995, the end of 1995, how I feel about all rats, I would have been, Oh, I wish I'd never done it. You asked me now, I'm like, thank God, not only did we do it, but I stuck to like whatever vision I had for it, because that's what made it connect with the audience after all those years. So now there's really nothing that I could think of um, that I would change. Even stuff like, like when I got thrown off the airplane, too fat to fly. Everything comes with unintended stances uh, and trickle down as well. So even though it can be sad or miserable at the moment, you never know. It becomes a part of your mythology on a big part of it or something. Something like, you know, I had a heart attack a couple of years ago. There was a part of me that was like, maybe you should have lived your life better. And then I was like, well, you know what? It taught me to live my life better going forward. So I got something out of it. So I wouldn't even change something like that. You need all these 
happen to you to make you who you are eventually. Understood. Very, yeah, no, totally get it, sir. Um, so Skip will be bringing Moo Mains and more right to the doors of loyal fans throughout downtown. As we've said, Toronto, Etobicoke, Hamilton, and Newmarket. Um, people just have to search movies on the Skip app to find them all. Here's where we're going to get personal. What are some of your favorite items on the menu? I'm a big fan of uh, the cow dipper just because it's something like we've been talking about movies since uh, Clerks 2. And seeing it come to life was was kind of awesome. We do it with the regular burger version for people that like meat. And then for vegans like me, we do a Beyond Meat version. I'm a huge fan of Beyond Meat. So I love the cow tipper. Um, I'm a big fan of the hater tots, uh, which are basically very salty tater tots. <laughs> uh, we've added Mooty, which, uh, you know, both vegan and non-vegan. That's locally themed dish. But my favorite dish uh, on the menu, I don't order it, uh, non-vegan. Uh, but I love to hear people order it is sandwich we call the cox <laughs> struggle to order that or smile when they order it is is just worth the price of admission for me. <laughs> uh yeah i can't wait to have my i i, I literally can't wait to put my mouth uh -oh, throws up on us. um that being said uh there's a question here that somebody's asking um and i'm just going to say the two words moose jaws what's what's happening with that Moose Jaws is still yet to come, uh, script written, still by, waiting for somebody to be like, all right, that's worth a few bucks. Have um, <laughs> come a few times, like perilously close to it happening. I have every confidence it'll happen. It's just sometimes you throw an idea out there in the world and keep talking about it so that it'll manifest, so that it will eventually come to, to be. And every time you describe Moose Jaws to somebody, for those who are unaware, Moose Jaws is this movie I'm going to make, which is just Jaws, but with a moose instead of a shark. So you know, when you say it out loud to people, they, they smile or giggle or that's stupid. So you know it's like a good idea. You know you got to make it and stuff. And I know if I don't make it sooner or later, somebody else is going to jump in and make it before me. It's low-hanging fruit. So in a year, we're, we're making Moose Jaws. That's amazing. I'm glad to hear that because that's 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 something I wanted to know as well too. Um, so when you say that you want to bring uh, movies across this great white nation of ours, uh, as in how cold it is, not the color of our skin, um, is it going to come to Winnipeg? Because Skip's headquarters is in Winnipeg. So is that some, is that a stop along the way you want to make? Absolutely, man. And look, we want to go to every province, but uh, Winnipeg really dear to me because that's where all our fake Canadian movies are set. So. Um, the, uh, the Tusk was set in Manitoba. Um, the, uh, Yoga Hosers is set right in Winnipeg. Uh, so being there is kind of a dream. Once we establish a movie's there, then maybe we come back with an A to Z or uh, a Gimli Slider, which were the two fake points in the Canadian movie. No bull. What is your, because Skip is uh, Canadian, it's headquarters, it's birthed in Manitoba and Winnipeg. Um, would you care to elaborate for the Manitoba people for right now about your, like I know it, but I don't think anybody else knows what your slight obsession with Bifrist and Winnipeg and Manitoba in general? It's, uh, I mean, I was, I think it was during the, uh, I was up there for Degrassi. When I was on the Degrassi episodes, was it that or was it? Yes, it was Degrassi because I remember going on the cross country tour. I did two cross country tours across Canada for stuff that had nothing to do 
with my movies. One was when I was on Degrassi, like we went across country, did press. And the second time we were um, uh, getting folks to sign up for the Walter Gretzky street hockey tournament, which got into like the Guinness Book of World Records. So I believe it was me touring for Degrassi, doing Degrassi press when, when I was there for the two-parter, that I first went to Winnipeg in February. And anybody familiar uh, with, uh, with Manitoba, and particularly Winnipeg, knows that that time of year is it's Arctic. Basically, they built snow sculptures on the street. It was the coldest place I'd ever been in my entire life. And the, yet the people were so incredibly warm and charming, I guess, to make up for the fact that uh, freezing. So <laughs> it always like uh, played a special uh, place in my heart. Then when I was writing... Uh, Tusk, it was originally like when we did the podcast, it was set, the story was set in England. But I was like, I know so much about Canada. And to me, like Canada, quite like Texas is a land of mystery. You know, on the surface, people are like, I know what that is. But underneath, it's a land of mystery. And so for me, I was like, I'm going to set these stories in Canada instead. And, you know, a lot of the provinces get a lot of attention, uh, West Coast, particularly like British Columbia. Uh, Ontario. Nobody ever really throws a lot of love like Manitoba's way. So I was like, all right, well, I got to set it someplace. I remember that cold ass place I went to when I was doing press. So I'm going to set it in Manitoba because I do know some big stuff. I'm gonna... So I wound up putting it there in the backyard. So we've two Canada movies, Tusk and Yoga Hosers, both set like in Manitoba. Neither of them shot in Manitoba. Um, shot in North Carolina and Los Angeles, and the other one fully Los Angeles, doubling for, for women. So I think we may be the only film in cinema history that, that faked Canada in Los Angeles as opposed to vice versa. I just, uh, before we continue on here, I just want to let everybody know who's joining in that uh, what we're talking about is the movie's pop-up in the GTA. Uh, if you head to the Skip the Dishes app right Sorry, I'll slow that down. If you head to the Skip the Dishes app right now, you can order all of the items until December 9th. So go get your cow tipper on while we're enjoying this conversation with Mr. Smith here. Um, the movies pop up, Immersive fans in the world of movies. First launch is a socially distanced pickup only experience transformed with signage and memorabilia, as you can see, uh, replacing the restaurant fans have come to know and love from your films. Uh, what was the idea about wanting to turn it into a pop-up with Skip the Dishes? Like, I know you kind of said the where it came from, but the desire to do it. You're not a restaurateur by any means. So wh where where did Skip come into all of this? I, I mean, my career is, I guess, about many different things. It started as, like, a filmmaker. Excuse me. Indigestion from Thanksgiving. It started as I'm a filmmaker and since grown. Like, uh, so my portfolio includes a lot of stuff, has nothing to do with the chief reason most people know stuff. So um, my, I, at a certain point, became like Kevin Smith for a living, not just like, oh, I'm Kevin Smith and I make movies, but like, I am professionally Kevin Smith. And in doing that, it's like a television, you have to have something interesting to watch or else people will head someplace else. So every day you're hoping to create a new reason for people to pay attention to your stuff having movies come to life is one more spoke in the wheel where people go like 
Did you hear they actually made that fast food joint from his movies? That's so weird. As long as I'm always doing something interesting. It doesn't have to be profitable. It doesn't have to be worldwide or very successful. It doesn't have to be known. It doesn't have to be trending. But as long as I'm like adding interesting things constantly uh, to my resume, that gives people a reason to stick around. It also gives people a reason to like go after their dopey dreams. If they see me going like, he's always talked about like movies in real life and now it exists, man, go figure. Like that, that's a little spring in their step for maybe them to pursue something that seems unlikely, but is absolutely doable. So sometimes you do it like, trust me, I don't do it to get rich. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of money in the pop-up restaurant business. You know, like it's, you're coming in for a week, so you can't really retire on, on that. It's more for fun. In this instance, like during the quarantine, it's become this weird little lifeline for restaurants. We're going to have to go out of business, but like, we do this promotion where we can keep our staff employed. People are coming in, money's coming in and stuff. So it seems to benefit like the restaurants we've done it with tremendously. Um, it benefits me not so much financially, although there's money involved somewhere, but it benefits me in as much as like, it's one more thing, one more arrow to stick inside the quiver where you're like, oh, and we also did a restaurant based on our fake fast food joint from our movies. So it's fun. Sometimes you do things just for fun. Um, it enables us to interact with the audience in a way that we can't anymore because all of our live shows have been shut down for the time being with the quarantine and stuff. But people got to eat. And so, you know, you figure like in a world where everyone's ordering and whatnot, at least we could give them a fun option for like a week. So there's a bunch of cool reasons uh, to do it. But trust me, none of them is like, I'm rich. It's more about, this is fun. It's more about like, I can't believe this is happening. Watching people's expressions change when they walk in and see the signage or when they have a movie meal kit or something like that. That's sometimes the reason to do it like somebody when we were going to uh, minneapolis somebody the other day took offense to it they were, you shouldn't be doing this uh, during the quarantine this is going to create a public health hazard but i'm like not at all it's actually very safe our our reservation system spaces everybody out so it's not like a crowd there ever and he, and then the dude was coming at it from a different angle going well other you know you shouldn't be coming in there uh with this publicity stunt and I'm, it's it's what would I be publicizing? Like, it's not really a publicity stunt because it's not like, hey, there's the movies pop up. Now go see our movie or something like that. Really, it's like helping out the restaurant. Like the restaurant is finding a way to like bring in like, you know, it, 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 as far as a uh, kitchen hub, um, you know, they get a lot of traffic coming because there's a collection of little restaurants there. But like throwing up those whatnot brought a bunch of traffic in as well guaranteed traffic that people reserve with it you know it's, it's it's if it's working for the restaurant like if they're enjoying it bringing in people the customers seem to be enjoying it whatnot be an idiot to like stand in the way of it and be, nah, i don't want to do that like it to me it's fun as hell i couldn't believe it i before i was in convenience stores i was in restaurants i was a bus boy forever so the notion of like having our own little fast food joint Never saw that coming, man. It's mind-bending. And beautifully, it's not this thing where it's like, how are sales this week? We've got to put more money into it. It's not a real brick and mortar. Like, once the week is over, 
you're done. And then you go to another city knowing you could always maybe come back one day. So I've loved it. I've absolutely loved it. Um, like the, the, I'm glad people love the food. That's a big part of it as well. Food, apparently, uh, I don't eat the, the meat side of it. I eat the vegan side. But the food on the vegan side is wonderful. And all the reports I get, the non-vegan side is great, too. So I, it, it's been something I never would have predicted. I didn't think this is how we would have spent 2020, but we've been doing it for like six months. And it looks like we're going to continue on into 2021. So I'm, I'm thankful like that, that anybody ever partners up with us to do it. I was really thankful for up in Canada, both Kitchen Hub and Skip the Dishes, like treating it real seriously. Skip the Dishes gave us like a digital billboard. Somebody sent me a screen cap. They're like, you're in the sky in Toronto. And I was like, that's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so i got a couple more audience questions here um this i i don't we'll start with a shorter one because i i know what'll happen with the other one uh what yeah. movie restaurant would you like to try other than movies if you had a chance if i was gonna do a, another fast food fake fast food joint it would definitely be gimli spider which no but it was in tusk and it was in yoga hosers and again it'll be in moose jaws as well um but i i would love to that's a burger joint as well move into any place a to z which is our convenience store from yoga hosers and tusk would be a little bit more difficult because people actually like legit need convenience store on a regular basis they're like never mind your jokes i need milk and cigarettes whereas a restaurant you know there's a bunch of options so even if somebody's like I'm there because it's themed place up but there's also you know the chance that there's some people like i would like to go to that place. so i i i, I you know if we get movies down to a sign Trust me, I'll be back in Canada one day with the Gimli slider as well. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. Um, I have connections to Gimli in the area through my wife and such. So that's right. Nice. Yeah. Um, here's the big one. Uh, Kevin, do you ever think you will help direct or write for the Marvel Universe or DC on the big screen? Because we know you've done it with Green Arrow. We know you've done it with Supergirl. Um, big screen opportunity. What do you think? I honestly don't think I'm talented enough to pull that kind of thing off. It takes true visionary directors to make those like visual spectacles. And I don't, I'm a fan. I love watching that stuff. More, more than somebody reaching out, like, will you direct this? I'd be like, why don't you let somebody talented direct it? But I would love to be in it. Put me in that thing, man. Like that, at this point in my career, I'm happy to make Kevin Smith movies and stuff. Um, but if somebody from the outside world was like, come play in our sandbox, directing a thing like is less interesting to me than actually being in that thing because i don't think i could bring anything to it director as a storyteller um and i can't even say that i can necessarily bring something to an actor but that'd be at least good for me because i'd be like did you see me in the mandalorian you know <laughs> you can't really like you know show you can show up directing but like so many people are involved in making a production. So if I'm like, if I got to direct an episode of like, you know, like even when I directed episodes of Supergirl and Flash, I never took credit. I was never like, those were mine. Without my vision, they never would have happened. Like they make that show every week with or without me. They write scripts every week with or without me. Uh, she flies with or without me. He goes running real fast. With <laughs> so they don't need me for that, you know? So I can't bring anything to it like that where I could possibly stand out is if they hire me as a performer and then maybe I could bring something. But I know for a fact, like 
I'd ruin a Marvel movie, man. You think Thor The Dark World is the least favorite Marvel movie ever made? I, I'd be like, hold my beer. I <laughs> ruin it for everybody else. So I'm a fan, like, I, because I make movies and because, you know, uh, there are other movies that I don't make and every once in a while people are like, hey, you make movies, you should make that movie. But I always like to remind people, like, I started as a fan long before I was a filmmaker. And to a fan, I will eventually return. But, like, when I watched those movies growing up, like Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, all the movies in the 70s and 80s that I grew up watching, never once did they make me want to be a filmmaker. They made me want to watch more of those movies. It wasn't until I saw Richard Linklater's Slacker in 1991 that I'm like, ooh, that makes me want to be a filmmaker. So it stands to reason for me that, like, as much as I love the Marvel movies, I'm content to have them be my soap operas. There's, there's also a thing where when you get involved, sometimes, like, your appreciation for a thing uh, diminishes. Like, you know, I love Degrassi, and then I got to be on Degrassi a couple times, so many times, that by the last time, you know, like, oh, I guess this is me now. I bomb around the halls of Degrassi and give teenagers advice they didn't ask for. Um, you know, so the more you do it, the, the, maybe the shine comes off. Maybe it's not as precious to you anymore. And I love those Marvel movies. Those are my stories. The way my grandmother would watch her soap operas, that's how I watch those Marvel movies. So I don't want to risk ever. And number one, there's no chance this ever happened and they never tapped me anyway. But I would never want to risk like, oh, I made one. I know how the sausage is made. So now I'm not really into those. Like, I like being 50 and having something to look forward to in those movies that make me feel young, you know? And I'm sure there are some people who are like, those movies are infantilizing a generation. I don't give a shit. I love those movies, man. I, I have no criticism for them. They are what movies are supposed to be. Escapism, pure fantasy, pure fun and stuff. And I'm not that guy. Like, I've never been the... I love talking about escapist fare and fantasy movies, but I've never been the one that really made them. You know, Dogma is about as close as I get. And that's more religious fantasy and stuff. So I don't ever look at a Marvel movie and be like, I could do that. Or even I want to do that. I see a Marvel movie and I'm like, show me another one. Spoilers. Tell me what's going to happen next and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't think you'll ever see that. I think I will, if they allow me, continue to like do the occasional Supergirl and Flash or something like that. But that's more my speed because you could do an episode of those shows in eight days. Eight days and you're done. You cannot make a Marvel movie or a DC movie or a Star Wars, anything, in eight days, man. They're huge. And you got to put, like, a year into that stuff. And, I, you know, I, I just don't – I'd rather put a year into my stuff. Like, there's that part of it, too, where at the end of the day, the longer you spend putting work into somebody else's thing, that's less time you're putting into your thing. And I didn't jump into this business so I could be like, I want to make a Marvel movie. They didn't even exist when I started I jumped into this business just to tell these goofy little New Jersey stories and stuff. And I'm content to keep doing that. And I know there's some people like, well, like Robert Rodriguez got in just making El Mariachi and, and now look at him and stuff. That's beautiful. Robert Rodriguez put on this earth to be a filmmaker, uh, just like Quentin. films. Copy that, sir. Um, movies question. Was there a movies menu item you wanted to add, but you couldn't? And we had to cut it off. So uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything we haven't done yet. I mean, the, the close was the cock smoker, but then it wasn't even a, a conversation. 
lose this. It was like, oh my God, that should be the first item on the menu. But there was, in a world where we were willing to do that, there's very few things, if anything, that we haven't. Copy that. Um, another audience member question here. Kevin, would you survive a zombie outbreak? Um, no, I go for like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not strong. I'm, I'm weak of heart and body. Um, you know, I, I, I would imagine if they're running zombies, I'm caught dead fast. I'm not very quick. So if the zombies are fast, like in 28 days later, forget it. I'm toast. If they're slow zombies, like in Walking Dead or the Romero films, you know, maybe I buy myself a little more time. But those that's usually a game of numbers like where you, you're running in one direction, they're all following you, and suddenly there's a wall of them coming from the other direction. I'm sure I would be that guy. I know I would not be the person that let the zombies in. Like, you remember in Dead, Dead when the one guy laid down on the platform and, like, let all the zombies down into the base and stuff? I don't think I would be that guy. I'd go out, like, angrily and, and, and weaponizing the zombies. But I do feel like I killed the first two, two weeks of of the outbreak. I don't make it to the helicopter in the mall. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, this follow up question to that, uh, running zombies or slow zombies? Like what's your, what's your preference in film for that? Cause they're made, they're made to look like track stars essentially. Truly slow zombies give you a chance to get away. So I'll, I'll take slow zombies every time. Who needs fast zombies? Heavens man. To like step <laughs> and it's sped up. Like nah, I'll take it slow. Uh, another audience member question here. <laughs> Will you say I am Iron Bob and snap your fingers? Oh my God! Absolutely, nobody's asked me to do that yet. Well, there you go. And I am Iron Bob. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. Parts uh, that how he when he says when I when Robert Downey Jr. or when Tony Stark says it in, in uh, Endgame, and then he snaps. He that snap is like. It's a it's an affront of a snap if you watch his face because he's like like that. Like he puts on this fuck you face. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, there's more in that snap. There's like a whole line in that snap for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, I uh I, I had a I had a question here that I, I wanted to bring up. Uh again, uh Skips is in Winnipeg. It started here, and I got the privilege to attend one of your uh, spoken word Jay and Silent Bob tour evenings, and we got our we got our Winnipeg Jets back. Yeah, and that was a very big moment for the city, and just to kind of bring it back into the Manitoba aspect of of Skip being here and starting from the ground up, you kind of tried to help with that, if I'm not mistaken. I did. It was it was so. Uh charmingly naive you know uh canada trying to make it six or make it seven i think make it six or make it six for years like they had five teams they were looking for a six or they had six teams they were looking for a seven i forget which number it was so when they announced that like hey winnipeg could get a friend they said uh it's contingent on ticket sales so they were like you know we're gonna go on selling this day if we sell enough that will ensure like that this is a real thing, Shell is committing and blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, man, like Winnipeg needs our help. Find ticket. Um, and I had my staff like, because uh, we were at the office in Red Bank at that time. 
um, I had the staff get on the phone. Ming Chen, who was from Comic Book Man, he was just working at the office at that point. He was calling as well. So the idea was, we'll throw our weight behind this, and this will help Winnipeg uh, get their jets back. And so I couldn't, I couldn't get season tickets on day one. Like, and we, like the moment they went on sales, when we started calling, because Winnipeg took care of itself. They, they, they were more than happy to buy up all the tickets and stuff. So I thought I would and being like the American savior, being like, I'll help these poor Canadian people get a hot team. And they're like, we're fine, eh? We did it. <laughs> so delighted that the, the team actually came uh, and, and, and set up shop. And, um, you know, I, as an old school fan, of course, I, I respect the New Jersey and, and what it stands for. Like, you know, I, it'd be nice to see the old Bobby Hole jersey sometimes pop up. Oh, definitely, definitely. And we do. Uh, we all know New Jersey is your team. Is there a Canadian hockey team that uh, outside of Winnipeg that you uh, share some love for? I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's Edmonton, but correct me if I'm wrong. Absolutely, Edmonton. For years, I wore the Edmonton uh, colors and whatnot. Massive Gretzky fan. So, uh, yeah, Edmonton has been my go-to team outside of uh, – which some people – fans like you can't have two teams you only have to have one and i'm like well i mean you can like more than one like no team loyalty dictates one you can't why would you be a fan of edmonton you're from new jersey for heaven's sake so leave <laughs> i can have two any rule the nhl charter says you can't appreciate more than one team so i like them both delicious i love it uh so um when you do come to canada where do you order from skip because uh, again, referencing another, I think it's an evening with Kevin Smith or an evening harder. I can't remember, but I remember Timbits being in your diet. You'd cross the border and like you would shut everything down until you got a box. Yes. I don't think they're vegan, so you probably don't enjoy them now. But like example, I get across the border. Carl's Jr. has my has my love. I, I tell every everybody we we don't do anything until I get a burger. So what's like that for you in Canada when you're when you're ordering on Skip? For me, when I'm in Canada, and this uh, went for me. Uh, before I went vegan and after I went vegan, um, a you know um, uh, uh, A and W has the Beyond Burger and has had the Beyond Burger like since it first debuted. So I was up there shooting Supergirls and I would go get burgers from A&W because there's an A and W right across the street uh, for everybody and myself and whatnot. Then I had a heart attack, so the next time I went back, I was getting. Like, I was like, I can't get burgers. Then all of a sudden, I, was, I saw that they had the Beyond Burger. So whenever I'm up north and, like, just up there last year for the Jane Silent Bob Reboot Roadshow Tour, and we did, in fact, use Skip the Dishes because we were mobile. Like, we got all the food apps on our phone from all around North America and stuff because we did so much traveling. So uh, Skip up there for me is hands down Beyond Burger at A&W. Uh, but I'm also the kind of guy that will go in and get the burgers. Uh, on location just because i asked for somebody like can you leave this off this off basically i just get patty and bread um and and some ketchup in some cases and stuff so sometimes that's tougher to communicate uh on an app sometimes I actually walk in but when i walk into an a and w it's always a charming experience of somebody being like you're kevin james and i'm like well close <laughs> <laughs> that's very sweet of you to to, to, to not correct them so hard. i figured Canadian way, you know what I'm saying? It's exactly, him... yeah. You say sorry, and then you carry on. I get it. Uh, <laughs> um, Clerks 3 in the works. What's going on with that? Clerks 3 in the works, still writing it right now, a new version of it in the event. Uh, it looks like the next one is going to be 
Twilight of the Mallrats, a sequel to Mallrats, which I, I believe we're getting into next year. It looks very, very good right now. Poutine or disco fries? Um, I mean, honestly, growing up in Jersey, like I'd never had disco fries until I was in my 20s. It's a diner food. But like when I went to the diner with my parents, they were never like, get disco fries. That's like a late night uh, kind of thing. So I didn't discover disco fries uh, in my 20s. But between the, so I, I'm just setting that up because I don't have a long standing affinity to disco fries, even though it is a, a jersey. But um, I, I still side with those, I think, over poutine because cheese curds, well, I mean, now obviously I'm vegan, but cheese curds were never my, were too big. They were so chunky and clumpy and stuff. Whereas disco fries, put like one slice of American cheese that just melts over everything and then gravy on top of it. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, literally. Will Randall ever find true love? Yes. Yes. In the Clerks 3 script, he does find true love. That's amazing because we know that you're a big romantic. So for a guy who is Randall and yeah. not the easiest see, man to I, love, it's nice to see that something comes kind of full circle for him. Truly. See that guy? Uh, the dude who's like always got the sharpest comment and utterly critical of everything, Mr. Negative, uh, to watch that dude find love, I think would be a movie worth seeing. Oh, totally. Um, uh, yeah. Now, uh, we've heard you talk about it before, but in your opinion, and I don't like to go negative, uh, but what's the worst movie you've ever made in your opinion? Like, what's the one that you would kind of yeah. wish you could take back a little bit? The one, let me see. Worst of all of them. Clark Lawrence chasing Amy Dogma. Jane Sondosh. Jersey Girl. Ooh, Zach and Mir. Um, I mean, I'll, I will go with Cop Out just by virtue of the fact that I didn't write it. And it doesn't make it worse film. The Cop Brothers wrote it. But yeah, I think Cop. But and not because I'm like it doesn't work, just by process of elimination. Like if I had to pick a least favorite, that one would probably be it, just by virtue of the fact that I didn't write it, so my connection to it isn't as strong. And also, Bruce, kind of on the movie. Um, inspiration. We got a question for inspiration for chasing Amy. Like easily my favorite of your series. Thank just you. It resonates on so many different levels of of honesty and truth and romance and, and, and the hero's journey through it at the same time. Like there's, there's a lot of moving parts there, but where, where is that? Where, where did that, where did the birthplace of that come from? Um, it came from Scott Mosier uh, was very tight. My producer, Scott Mosier was very tight with uh, Gwen Turner, who uh, was a writer actor had written uh, and starred in a movie called Go Fish, uh, which played up at Sundance the same year, also a black and white film. Uh, but that was about uh, a lesbians, group of lesbians, breakthrough film, uh, historical. So uh, Scott and, and uh, uh, Gwen Turner became friends and were hanging out all the time. They met at Sundance. And then after the festival, we went back to New Jersey and they lived in New York. Scott and Gwen would hang out all the time. And it was clear that Scott was kind of smitten with her. And so I was just like, you should write a movie. You should write a script about what it feels like to fall in love with a lesbian, like somebody who's not going to return your affection. And he goes, no, I don't want to do that. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And so I, that was where it started. 
But then I was in a relationship with Joey Adams at that point. And we were going through our own stuff uh, in as much as like I, uh, I'm very inexperienced compared to her. And I'm not talking actually experience, life experience. Joey had like traveled the world, lived a big life. I'd never. And so our relationship was imbalanced. And I was like, my, my self-esteem issues were so terrible. So I was the kind of guy that was always like, did you cheat on me? Would you cheat on me? Please don't cheat on me. That kind of guy. And ladies, uh, guys, ladies love that. Ladies love a man who uh, has low self-esteem and is constantly begging not to cheat on him and stuff. So I, I was like, you know, then write about falling in love with a, a lesbian. I will frame, use that framework and tell my story with Joey. So at the heart of Chasing It is a story that really isn't, doesn't have anything to do with, um, with bisexuality whatsoever. Um, it's really just about a guy who can't get over himself. Um, and so it, it, it came from there. It was gestalt, if you will, of all those things. Also, it followed Mallrats, and Mallrats had really hard. Like, Mallrats cost us $5 million to make it only made $2 million. So at that point, I was like, throwing a Hail Mary as well, where I'm like, I started with Clerk, it was well-respected, it was a film, and then Mallrats was what we called a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I get that credibility back. And uh, that's, that was a big component. Desperation is a, a, a component that, and an ingredient that you can't uh, really plan for. Uh, but it was like, oh my God, if we don't do something fast, they might not let us make another movie we might be out of this industry altogether so helped inform it as well nothing to lose like i remember saying to joey and jason lee and ben affleck like look this is it this is where we get to show them what we can do all of us and if we do this right like we get new opportunities so there was that element as well all of us trying to showcase what we could do rather than be dismissed as just this like joey you know she was like oh that's that girl with that heel and ben was the bully from those movies like uh Hughes and mall rat so jason lee barely had a profile he'd only been in mall rats he was a professional skateboarder um and i was coming off which everyone was like it sucks you're finished so we had nothing to lose there was nowhere to go but up all of us poured ourselves into it and, and you know, it worked out. We, it, it paid off in the long run. Now the movie is like problematic for some cats uh, in terms of it hasn't aged well um, for some folks. And, and some folks weren't even around when it was, uh, when it was made, like a movie about this guy telling a story about falling in love with a bisexual. Like she's not even, a, she's more of a bi. You can pull that part now in 2020 of course but you know i always try to remind people like it was in 1997 and for 1997 by a straight white male filmmaker pretty progressive like for that time and it may not have aged well but like it was trying to be something more back yearned for something for a, a higher purpose and for years was considered like my umbrella film like, no matter what I did, if things got bad, people like, this sucks. You know, I was always like, yeah, but I did make a big game, and I put up my umbrella. So you know, don't get the shit rain on you. And now it's it's an umbrella with holes in it. Now the umbrella is dark. 
Where I'm like, yeah, but I did make dogma. And they're like, all right, he did that. <laughs> um, so I just want to remind everybody, keep asking questions in the question, uh, in the little question box there where I can see them and, and get them in. Uh, as well, uh, get on the app and order all the stuff we're talking about. The whole purpose of this is for everybody in Canada and the GTA specific, actually, sorry, just in the GTA, uh, Tobacco, Hamilton, New Market in Toronto. Uh, get on the Skip the Dishes app until December 9th. You'll be able to order all of the movies, items that are on the menu. They'll be delivered to your door in a safe and easy fashion. Uh, they're delicious. They're fun. And there's vegan options. And I did want to kind of expand on the vegan menu. Can you point out? Because you know, everybody loves meat. And you're a vegan now. You're an ambassador for, for a, a growing group of people. It changed your life in a lot of ways. And you've been very honest about that. So um, what are some of the vegan menu items? And uh, yeah, go from there. Uh, we've got the cow tipper. We do vegan style um, with Beyond Meat. Beyond uh, Meat became a partner while we were down here doing the Hollywood version. So we've been able to bring them everywhere with us. Uh, the hater tots, of course. Um, the vegan uh, uh, moutine is vegan as well. Uh, I don't think they've nailed the vegan cock smoker yet. And there's... But so far, we have, we've only offered the real real chickens um but those are my uh, three like uh, well of the hater tots and the and the cow tipper those are my two go-to's um and then uh for dessert we do like movies cow pie which is like a brownie um but we've also done like uh when we were in chicago we did soft serve with milk, which was pretty sweet so it, it was important to include stuff otherwise I was going to have a fast food where I'm like, uh, how's the food? Cause I can't eat it. So it was nice that we were able to include stuff for folks like me. Um, and, and mind you, like just in terms of having done it now, like, uh, Minneapolis would be the fifth time. Um, it, like by far, uh, it's the meat eating version of movie that outsells the vegan version. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Everyone, whenever they get a V order, they let me know. Because, like, we got one. So, <laughs> hey, good for us. <laughs> we hooked them. We hooked them. Um, I, I know about it. What's the newest news on the stash? I know there's some news for you for that. Yeah, we're uh, closing Jane Song Bob's stash. 35 brought after over two decades at the location. And then moving one block down to 65 Broad Street. Uh, Ernie O'Donnell's building the neo stash as we call it right now um it, you know during the quarantine naturally there's a lot of businesses closing and whatnot we were one of those businesses where i was like well maybe this is the time for us to get out of town like you know we've had over 20 years maybe this is a good sign to get out while we get good or whatever and walter flanagan who's run the store for you know decades since the beginning guy from comic book man he was just like i wouldn't do that he's going like as long as it can still pay itself, this place become an institution and I'm like, well, you know, I bought this place for you because you love comic books, but you don't even read comic books anymore. You may have got it for me, but it's bigger than me now. Like, I, I would still hold on to it. I would, if you can, if it financially makes sense, he's going, you should still keep it open. So I was like, all right, we'll keep it open. And then, um, you know, we, we got hit hard in as much point. Jersey shut down completely. Comic books, not essential, one iota and stuff. So the store took a few hits. We were able to kind of get things going with, doing online bundles and whatnot. So um, at that point, you know, it, there was a consideration of like, okay, if we are going to stay in business, let's 
cinch the belt. You know, the rent we were paying at our old place was incredibly high. I was like, look, if we're going to do this, we got to, we got to find rent for like paying business. So we'd reached out uh, and tried to get a deal with our landlord. That wasn't happening. So, you know, we started looking in town. I was like, a lot of businesses that are dropping out right now. So that opens up a lot of real estate. Red Bank, people might be open to making deals. And I sent Mike Zapsick, who was also on Comic Book Man. I said, go look around and see. And so he found a place for us, man, where the rent is like half what we were paying the old place, but the space is three times as large. So it's even bigger and even cheaper. And at that point, I was like, all right, well, we could down some of our storage facilities because we got storage in this place, put it in there. We figured we did the math, and over the first two years, we're going to save about grand by moving to the new place. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's commit. Like, we're at 20, we opened in 97, 23 years right now, you know, and so we're a hair away from hitting 25, which we'll easily do. Um, but now I've got it in my head where I'm like, if we could just make it to 30, then I'll let it go. <laughs> that would be a nice number for, for Jay and Silent Bob. 37 years in business, and then we can go out of business. How has comedy changed in the last 15 to 20 years? And do you find it easier or harder to write for? Because you you write what's in your head. You've, you've expressed that to everybody. You make movies so that you can have... You, you can have a place to have your conversations that you like. So how has that changed for you in the last 20? I'll tell you, comedy has gotten harder and everybody could completely democratized. Uh, you know, you jump on Twitter and you makes you laugh so hard. You cry and realize like, I, that's funnier than anything I've done in a movie in 10 years or something like that. Um, comedy is way more nimble outside the movie realm. When you write a movie, you know, it, it takes, half a year to a year from script to script. And during that time, new developments are happening, you know, uh, opportunities for comedy are constantly repeating themselves and you're stuck in a script that has been locked in order to do the job that you, you'd kind of do. So I found that like in the beginning, like it was easy to be like, oh, he's, he's funny, he does comedy. To stand out now, everybody, everybody's funny. Um, it's kind of like that that old uh, Andy Warhol thing. Everyone in the future will be famous for 15 minutes. He was he was close. It's not famous. It's everyone in the future is funny for 15 minutes, man. Thanks to social media, anybody can make an observation. You don't have to write an entire show, write an entire movie, write an entire book, record an entire album. You can put out pithy 140 characters or more and play the room. Absolutely own the room, or you can like sarah cooper who's just like i'm just gonna lip sync trump and entire career off that so there's a lot of competition in com in comedy right now man um and that's not a bad thing. as a consumer of comedy as a person who likes comedy that's great because everyone's being funny now that means you're getting free laughs all over the place as somebody that works in comedy yeah, it's like, oh, my God, it's crowded in here. You know, and suddenly you're not the only game in town. There are a lot of games in town. And you got to remember, I started as like, he's from nowhere. He's got no connections. He's one of us. And so I enjoyed that, that rare breathing space of having authenticity as somebody who came from the people and having a job as, as somebody who tried to be funny. But everybody now is authentic. All great comedy comes 
from authenticity of the authenticity of like the internet social media honesty uh you know uh, we're in a world right now where it's so sometimes backwards and unbelievable you can't help but laugh and it's bringing out great comedians like uh what do they call them outliers you know people who are not necessarily like i do comedy for a living but are legit funny enough to do so and some of them going like oh this is what i am now like i've watched a series of comics do those videos uh like uh, over the course of the last year um where you know most of them are very politically bent, but like you know people who don't necessarily aren't trained performers weren't thinking about a life in entertainment other than like oh i like movies and stuff like that who suddenly now have like opportunities wide open to them sarah cooper just had a netflix special so like you know and, and one year ago she was uh, somebody who started lip syncing, you know, to Donald Trump's press conferences. Sky's the limit, man. Like, you, you, at this point, anybody could be a comedian. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're the best comedian. Like, I'm not even that. But, like, anybody can be funny. Anybody can jump out there and shine at this point. So comedy's gotten crowded. And as a fan, that's awesome. But as a, a producer of comedy, like every day I look around and be like, I'm not going to be needed here pretty soon. Like, you know, <laughs> I used to do, you know, uh, observational stuff that covered a lot of grounds. Now my comedy is very like Kevin Smith centric because that's the only area that I'm uncontested. Like I don't have to compete with somebody else. If I wanted to go out there and talk politics, fuck, I'd be competing with a slew of people who are like, who can knowledgeably speak about politics and are funny on to start, I mean, in, in the last, how the way, how comedy changed in the last 26 years since Clerks was it's become very niche. I've had to find my little corner of it to hold on to. Otherwise I'd be out of it altogether because there are new funny people introduced every damn day. So my corner of the world is like, Kevin Smith, comic books, movies, and stuff. But I don't even own that anymore. Like, it used to be like I was the Star Wars guy. I mean, I can tell you all the Star Wars jokes. Star Wars is telling Star Wars jokes now. Like, Mandalorian's funny. So it's like, you don't need a guy going, hey, what if, like, the guys working at the Death Star were innocent? And you know, people are like, shut up. We want to watch The Mandalorian. Like, it's weird. Or it's also weird to watch how many people do that now. Like, Star Wars comic Like, I'm not even, I, I, I used to be the only one. Now I'm not even at the top, like, fucking 90% of people who are funny with Star Wars. So it, it's, yeah, it's, and, and oddly enough, my career, um, like, it, it certainly didn't pave the way for that, but I am one of them. Like, I, I am somebody who was in the audience who just liked movies, and I was going to try to do it. And so I've met many people over the years, people who have gotten un, unfat rich off of YouTube with their own YouTube channel who are like oh my god we loved Clerks and because of that we wanted to make our own YouTube channel and now we're billionaires and I'm like can I have some money and they're like no so it's you know when you jump into it you run the, the very positive risk of inspiring somebody else like Richard Linklater made Slacker that inspired me and suddenly I, I went into filmmaking and went into entertainment you got to know that what everything you say, post, write, produce, you are potentially inspiring somebody else out there to use their own voice and whatnot. And that's beautiful. There's no greater calling 
than to let people find out who they are, than to inspire people to find their voices. But it's self-defeating because you create your own competition all the time by doing that. When you inspire people like, hey, man, chase your dreams. They're like, I will. And then one day you're neck and neck with them for like some position you would like to have. So it's bittersweet, man. But at the end of the day, I, that's, that's my legacy. Like as much as I, I, I like movies I've made and everything I've done, I think like now that I'm, I've, I've had years to look at, come up with a take on it. I think the most important thing that I've added to the business was belief in self. When people saw me do it and they're like, oh, if he can do it, maybe I can do it. And I love that as my legacy now. I love meeting people who are like, I saw your thing and it made me want to do my thing. Like, great, do your things. That's going to that's gonna inspire somebody to do their fucking thing. If everybody's doing their thing in terms of artistically, not like do my thing where I'm like, I like to kill people. Don't do your thing if that's your thing. But if everybody's doing their artistic thing or their self-expression thing, think about how much better the world would be. Everybody content, everybody feeling it. And there wouldn't be a bunch of people on the sidelines being like, your self-expression sucks because they'd be self-expressing as well. And not self-expressing negativity at somebody else, just putting their song out there and stuff. So for me, like that's, that's what I'll spend the rest of my life doing stuff, but communicating to people like you can do this. There's no reason you shouldn't be doing this for heaven's sakes. If you are interested in this sort of thing, if you're the kind of person that has ever sat through the full credits of a movie at the end, not looking for a Marvel after scene, just because you were like, I want to read the credits. You're a filmmaker. You just haven't made a film yet. You'll get there. That's yeah. I've heard you say, just do it. Every almost everything you're in, just do it, and then do it more, and then eventually you'll be doing it, and you're, you're making a film. Doing it, and then you drop dead, and that is life. <laughs> uh, speaking of the things that you've done, we got another one coming in here. Um, are you going to direct another Supergirl episode? I hope the last season of Supergirl coming up, um, but I may not be able to, in as much as they shoot up in Vancouver. So I don't know, like I would have to go up there two weeks in advance and then quarantine for two weeks um, before I could shoot a single thing, before I could even go to a single meeting. So, you know, that's a big chunk of time. You already donate yeah. about three weeks of your life and direct an episode of that. Then you'd be tacking on two weeks of just sitting in a room doing nothing. And that's if they even need me at this point. Like nobody's reached out to be like, hey man, quick, come back. Um, I hope so, because it's the last season. But even if I get to do another episode, like I directed, uh, how many did I do? Four. Four Supergirls, three Flash. And they were bliss. They were absolute uh, fun to do. I met great people who I'm still friends with, like Melissa. She was in Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Uh, Chris Wood, he's playing our he and Pr Prince Adam on our Masters of the Universe show. Um, so everyone I met up there, it, it was they're, they become friends, so worthwhile. I, I went up there as a fan, like I was a fan of those shows, so I got to direct them and stuff. Uh, if you don't get to do another one before it's over, I, you know, I, I have to understand. We're all dealing with the pandemic in different ways and whatnot. But if uh, it clears up, if, that, if the vaccine turn out to be what we're all hoping they're going to be and they open up the border and there's still time, believe me, I would love to go up and do one more girl episode. Yeah, we're working on getting you permanent residency. I'll, I'll, I'll file the papers for you. I, like a couple of years ago, I almost did the test and applied for citizenship and not because of Trump. This was years before, like back in the early 2000s. I was like, oh, my God, I would love to be dual citizen. Um, so I'm always hoping that after all this time, like sooner or later, some 
here in government, some PM will just be like, look, just give him an honorary, man. Like, you know, if he wants it, give it to him. And I, it'd be kind of amazing. But I also think that I could take and pass the test because you have to know a lot about Canadian history. And I think I'm well-schooled enough where I think I could pass that test without a lot of study. I, I think you're good too. I think I, if not pass it, BS your way through it for sure. Uh, one last question before we get out of here. Uh, will there be a permanent movies location if this does what it's supposed to do? I mean, I, so that <clears throat> I'm, I love what we're doing right now because you know, it's, it's the equivalent. I've never been this guy in high school and after high school or in marriage, but like, you know, I'm a, I'm I'm generally a, a one person guy. You know, I've always been in long relationships. I didn't play the field, so to speak. I'm the marrying man. So even when I was in high school, man, I I dated a girl for like 12 years and stuff. Um, not having a permanent brick and mortar movies, being able to like just go from place to place is has this weird freedom of like. So this is what it would be like. If like, you know, I was attractive enough to date many people back in the day. <laughs> so I, I do dream of like maybe a permanent movies, but not as much as I dream about like, how far can we take this? Like how many cities can we go to? Like, can we one day have a map with a bunch of pins in it indicating where we've been? There's so many pins on the map that it's like, it's, it's noticeable. You can see it from space. So uh, for me, I, 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 you know, I, I would like a brick and mortar, but I'm more happy to go in and cosplay restaurants. That's way easier. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And that, that's a draw too for, for your fan base, I can only imagine. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has, oh, go ahead, if, sorry. If I did one brick and mortar, then everybody has to go to it. If we keep doing this, there's a chance movies comes to them, which I think is, is more delightful. Copy that. Well, um, we are unfortunately out of time. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it, the one and only Kevin Smith. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Kevin, and to meet with the audience today. Thank you for joining us and taking all these questions. We hope that you enjoyed the meet and greet on behalf of Skip the Dishes. Don't forget, Movies is exclusively on Skip the Dishes until December 9th. So keep ordering your favorite food, food from the VSQ universe while well, you can. Until next time, Canada, Kevin Smith, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, folks, enjoy uh, your, your weekend as it comes up. Uh, get some movies if you like. If not, enjoy your weekend regardless. You live in one of the best countries in this entire planet, man. You guys are doing it right up there. Uh, I, I, thank God you're our neighbors to the north. Uh, and I miss you and I can't wait to we can't wait for you to be back, man. Have a great day and happy belated Thanksgiving. Thanks, man. Pleasure. Anytime, dude. Bye. Bye, guys.